<laughs> Nearly. Grab it, grab it. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, Ray. All right, I'll beat you. Ah. <laughs> Tell me another story. As legend has it, there exists a beast more evil than any other that roams the world and preys on the people who are the most vulnerable. It stands tall, with a face framed by hollow cheekbones and no eyes. Fill the sockets on his face. But that doesn't matter, as it stares right through you. As the more you fear the beast, the more it sucks you in. Those are just stories. The beast doesn't exist. You may not be able to see it. The beast is there. No rest time. Otherwise it will kill us. Run fast, Diego! Mama! As soon as the beast is seen. All of your life that remains is hopeless. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom? Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. Oh, wait, we're doing the English version today, right? Okay, so greetings and salutations, Spanish Civil War survivors. How the hell are you doing, Mike? <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> turning on the English dub for the yeah, guy. <laughs> I don't uh, think there's any Spanish well. Civil War survivors still alive, so I don't even know who the fuck I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man all right and then joining us as well it's don what's up don hey what's going on always great to be here <laughs> all right yeah great to have you so we are in between theatrical releases it might be like that for a couple more weeks at least um so yeah back to vod we were kind of you know, tossing a few choices back and forth, but ended up settling on one called The Wasteland on Netflix. And uh, I kind of, I didn't know much about it ahead of time. I think I just randomly found this actually the week that we did Scream. I was just kind of looking around on Netflix, not even necessarily for like a brand new release. Just, I, I think I was searching around for uh, movies I had heard on other people's lists for 2021 that I hadn't seen and I was just checking with Netflix and then all of a sudden scrolling by this one popped up and said 2022 so I was like oh okay well I'll file that away in my memory just in case and uh, uh it came up pretty quick so yeah so um yeah it's a wasteland the wasteland on Netflix and the synopsis on IMDb says a 19th century family living in seclusion is visited by an evil being that feeds on fear. Can little Diego save his mother from the beast, Dash, and herself? <laughs> um, all right. Let's get our general thoughts to open up the show. Venom, what did you think of The Wasteland? All right. Well, this should be absolutely no surprise to anyone. We have a Spanish language, slow burn, supernatural thriller. Hmm. Am I going to like it? Oh, of course I am. Uh, this once again, uh, this movie checks uh, a lot of boxes for me. Very emotional. Um, good, great performances, really good writing. Um, obviously, how you interpret this movie might actually dictate your enjoyment level of it there are multiple ways to kind of take this story but we'll talk about that a little bit more in the spoiler section but for me i was instantly you know interested obviously you know with the movie taking place in 19th century spain you know my home country i am obviously instantly interested you know we have this little family just a mother father and son living in a very desolate area hence the title the wasteland i wouldn't go so far as to call it a wasteland but i mean there's not really a whole lot of forest or anything it's very flat land with nobody around no neighbors whatsoever in fact the movie has a cast of five people a total of five actors in the whole film um one of them doesn't even oh two of them don't even speak any lines honestly um so it's a very isolated film 
Um, I know I know we have a lot of listeners who are into the single location isolated horror film, and this definitely checks all those boxes. As I've already said, beautiful um, performances from all the actors involved. And this is actually a feature debut for this director, uh, David Casademon. Um, he's done some shorts and music videos and things like that. But yeah, this is his feature debut, and I am very impressed with it. Um, I'm not... I can't really say that it's even my favorite of 2022, as I really, really enjoyed The Kindred uh, from a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, a movie that we didn't get a chance to talk about on Fresh Cuts, but we may revisit it. Who knows? Um, but this one really, I, I just absolutely loved it. This was, a, a, like I said, a beautiful movie, well put together. It is not a movie for everyone. Not uh, Once again, we're talking about these kind of A24 style slow burns. And, you know, a lot of people look at movies like this and, you know, aren't very satisfied with the ending. They don't, you know, feel like they got the payoff that they deserved, considering the slow burn nature of the film. The film is only 92 minutes long, so it's not very long. Um, the effects are OK. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of effects in here to begin with. Um, one kind of cool um, death in the film, if you will, Um and and then, of course, our creature, our beast, if you will, as he is called throughout the film, La Bestia. And uh, basically, it's really just a matter of trying to interpret what does the beast represent? What does what do the parents represent? Diego? Or can you just take this movie at face value as a family um, just, you know, trying to stay safe from an evil entity that lives, you know, in their area of the world. So even if you take it at face value, I think a lot of people are going to take some positives out of this. But like I said, not a movie for everyone, a very slow burn, very performance heavy. I wouldn't go so far as to say character study, but you could kind of make the argument that it is a character study of the mother specifically. Um, but like I said, we'll kind of get more deeply into that with spoilers, but as far as general thoughts go, I really enjoyed this film. I had a really good time with it. Didn't find myself bored even once, despite the slow nature of the film, I was thoroughly entertained. And of course, like I said, I am biased, obviously, you know, Spanish language, slow burn, supernatural thriller. It's, you know, right up my alley. So if if all those words put together sound good, then there's no reason you wouldn't enjoy the wasteland. So that's it for me for general thoughts. All right, Don, what did you think of the wasteland? Well, um, I'm probably going to shock a couple of people. Um, those that uh, are familiar with where I, I, I come, I come from on these kinds of films in the past and say, I really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I'm not as high as Venom because I, I do find a couple of the issues that he brought up um, a little bit more impactful, um, which I'm willing to just chalk up as personal taste, like just like he mentioned. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I really like this. I love the atmosphere. I love the mood. I love the way that this whole um, dynamic between the three of them is established throughout here. Uh, I, I really enjoy the you know, the slow burn creeping dread that they, you know, that they wander into and, you know, the terror that they come up with, the, you know, involving this mysterious creature that I got to say, that is a hell of a way to make an entrance into the film because <laughs> the way that they pull this thing off, I was like, oh my God, uh, okay, let's get going with, let's go because, um, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything now, but yeah, uh, the way that they introduced the creature into this is probably, I think, one of the, the greatest ways I've ever seen it uh, conducted, and it's uh, really effective. I liked it. Um, I, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more about the creature. I wish, you know, like Venom said, I wish he would have... Uh, for me, I think he, he... I would have liked it if he looked a little... looked like they didn't have enough to really finalize the, the design of it. Um it's not terrible. I mean, you know, me, you know, all my sci-fi channel stuff, you know, I, I shouldn't be harping on a creature like this, but yeah, I'm going to say I probably would have wanted maybe one more pass at it just, you know, to make sure it was truly camera ready. But um, overall, I, I, I really enjoy this. Um, there, there's a lot to like about it. I'm not entirely sure where a lot of the a lot of the um, philosophical issues and, uh, you know, the interpretations that it comes along come. I'm not entirely sure where I stand with that. So maybe later tonight I'll have a firmer grasp on everything. But 
overall, really, really enjoyed it. Um, not necessarily a true indictment of the film, but based only on my meager stats for 2022 so far, my favorite film of the year. So, Woo. <laughs> yeah, uh, really positive. Just uh, a few small little niggling, uh, niggling issues that uh, kind of keep it from being as uh, vocal as Venom is. If uh, you want a shorter general thoughts for me. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah, as far as I go, pretty similar to what you guys have to say. I did enjoy this one. I think um, there's a lot of elements to this one that we've probably seen in recent years, um, kind of how they play with the, uh, I guess I'll say, entity that's going on that they're afraid of. Um, You know, I think Venom mentioned it's largely a very small cast. Uh, We have our mother and son. And then, you know, other characters pop in and out. Uh, I mean, I would say there's one other character that's there for, you know, a good chunk of the movie. But for the, you know, once it becomes a mother and uh, son, it's really their their movie the rest of the way out. Uh, um, I think the movie is filmed just um, just not certain way to probably have people discussing what they think's going on um, with everything, which I'm sure we'll get into for spoilers um i for the most part i like the design of the creature i like that you know we didn't get an overabundance of it but we did get enough um i think that it did a good job being pretty chilling as a movie you know um i thought they used it wisely i liked uh some of the ways they uh, introduced it on screen i like that you know we our characters portrayed being in fear pretty well with with a lot of scenes not even actually having to have uh the monster or whatever we would refer to it um on screen and and i like how it affects the characters going forward in the movie and how by the end of it they're in a pretty rough place like with all (laughs) everything going on and you know i won't say any more than that just for spoilers um at at the present time i mean yeah but uh you know overall overall i was pretty positive on it for you know for being another you know vod movie that i really had no idea anything about i didn't really look it up much and uh ahead of time i mean other than just whatever synopsis netflix had on it and i saw that it was spanish so i was like hey you know maybe i'll throw this out there to venom and see and i was like i'm pretty sure he'll be on board with wanting to check this one out um but yeah i, I think i i had no idea you said it was uh the debut for the director uh feature length debut yeah he's feature done shorts length. and stuff yeah i had no idea that either i, I mean that kind of makes it even more impressive i mean exactly i mean there's some gorgeous cinematography in here and from a first time feature director that's pretty impressive yeah and it's it's really like this, you know, kind of small scale story that makes sense for a first time feature where mm-hmm. like, you know, you get to kind of um, show your ability and then hopefully, you know, it's seen by the right people with financial backing that next movie. Maybe he'll really get to flex his muscles as far as, you know, creativity and directing ability. We'll see where it goes from here. But I mean, based on this being the feature or the, the debut feature length uh, movie from mm-hmm. him, I I'm really looking forward to see what's coming next. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't actually speak at all about the creature design. I actually really, really like this creature design, not in and of itself, but in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I We'll get into it more in the spoiler section, but the, the creature has a certain look that's reminiscent of something that's inside this family's house. And, you know, when you're kind of looking at this movie from a certain way, if you're going to take it as more of a psychological thing and not a visceral thing that's actually happening, the design of the creature makes 100% sense. And even if you are kind of looking at it as, you know, just an evil beast in the middle of the, you know, the wasteland that's uh, haunting these people, it's still a pretty good design. The one thing that I really wish is that they would have gotten a suit actor instead of just making it all CG. Unfortunately, the beast is 100% CG. We don't really see a lot of them, so it's not like it's a major detriment to the film. I just personally would have liked to have seen like a like a Doug Jones or a Javier Baudet, you know, in the suit. Definitely Javier. It's in his damn home country. <laughs> he probably could have just walked down the street to get him. 
But uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a, an actual creature actor in a suit playing this. But for what we got, I still really, really enjoyed the look of it. Um, the voice, I mean, because he does he does speak a few lines in Spanish here and there. Not many, but just like, you know, some key words and things. Um, I agree with Don that the introduction of him is very cool. Um, just to just to set up the tension early before we even see the creature or hear him or anything. Um, the way that they set it up is just so effective that, yeah, it, it adds a little bit to the creature's mystique. And I definitely appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah, just wanted to chime in on the design because I completely flaked on it on my general thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah, I like that too because I definitely thought about that. I think more as the movie went on because exactly. we started getting more looks at um, stuff in the house, and I guess I'll say around the house, outside mm-hmm. the house, um, and that I think that's really what tilted my perspective in a certain way over the other one, um, as far as like you know what's going on and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I guess. For me, that's pretty much it for general thoughts because, yeah. like I said, the story is not too complex, so it's hard not to spoil anything if we get too much into it now. So I'll exactly, say, yeah, it's good for my general thoughts. But I mean, it, you know, the the movie, even though there is a supernatural element to it, depending on how you interpret the film, it still feels very grounded in reality to me. And honestly, the most unbelievable thing about this entire damn movie is the fact that this beautiful Spanish woman was with this big goofball of a man <laughs> like I, i'm looking at them like a she looks way too young for him unless he's had just a terrible terrible life and he's actually only 32 but he looks 55 i mean that could be the case especially in the 18th uh, 19th century you know the life was harder back then you know working day and night and you know from a young age so yeah people maybe aged a little bit more poorly back then but man I, I that was like the most unbelievable thing in the movie was just the fact that these two are together. Like they must come from the smallest town where there's not a lot of options. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. Because I was I was or... struck instantly at how pretty the woman was. She's not like an angelic angel model or anything crazy, but for a woman with no makeup on who probably hasn't bathed in weeks, I, she's pretty damn attractive. <laughs> yeah, and who knows back back then in those times. How- how much choice the women actually even had in their own autonomy, right? That is true. I don't I don't know a whole lot about 19th century Spain, so I couldn't really tell you if arranged marriages was even a thing. I'm sure it was. I'm sure every country had their, you know, time with arranged marriages and, you know. Um, but, yeah, that was just the one thing that struck me as the most unbelievable in the film, <laughs> which is good. That's a great thing, but mind you. I'm not complaining. If, if the if the craziest thing in the film or the most unbelievable thing in the film is just the fact that these two are together, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, we're not sitting here complaining about the creature, complaining about the story, complaining about the tension. So, yeah, it, it's a winner regardless. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do you say? Spoiler warning. Yep. Let's right. uh, do it. This is uh, your chance to uh, hit pause and revisit us after you've seen it or for those that just don't care keep on listening yeah well i mean you know as i said it's an isolated story so i don't think there's any real need for a full-on walkthrough necessarily i mean obviously uh i said that the movie only has five characters technically only four of them appear in modern day the fifth character which is the dad's little sister we only see in a flashback like in a dream sequence so um, very small cast, you know, our movie opens with, you know, our, our couple and their son living in this little house. Um, the house has a very ominous border around it, like a border of scarecrows. They're not the most menacing looking scarecrows. They're basically just sticks with some clothes on them, but they, but their, ba- their, their property is basically surrounded by this. So instantly we already have the mystery of, you know, what what are they, you know, hiding from? What are they trying to keep out of their property? Um, at one point, the little kid, Diego, actually runs towards the border. And as soon as he gets to the edge of his property, he just stops. 
even though there's not a fence or anything necessarily blocking them, it's just like I said, a line, a very spaced out line of scarecrows around their property. So, you know, kind of a cool design. Like I said, we see the the, the land that they live in. It's just kind of desolate, not not desert necessarily, but just like a plain, like a Sahara type plain, very flat, not very hilly, no forest. Like you could see trees like way in the distance, but nowhere near the family's property. So it's yeah. very, very much a wasteland. I, I thought um, during the opening credits, it said something about like, you know, yeah, there was the like a Spanish war going on. That's and it, yeah. uh, I guess like an option. I couldn't I, I can't remember if it said like, OK, once the like once the dad or the male character and not even this specific character, but just like anyone that was in the war if it's like after they're kind of retired from being a soldier and they have the option to like go move way out in the outskirts away from the war, or if this is just something to do as an alternate to like even participating, but for whatever reason, yeah. they're kind of like out of the way. It's like, obviously you could, they could get to town if need be, because later in the movie, um, when the dad goes to go back to like civilization, but for the most part, cause it kind of reminded me of the witch in that way where, they weren't necessarily cast out. It was like they went out um, on their choice to live out kind of like an isolated area yeah. and kind of raise the family or I guess I'm in pretty, this case one per- kid. Yeah, personally, I think they were hiding from the war because yeah. uh, during the preamble, you know, they talk about it's 19th century Spain and that there is a war going on um, and that people are making the decision to avoid the war and that, you know, this family, not in so many words, but this family basically has just gone as far away from civilization as they can to kind of avoid that war. So, I mean, you know, ultimately you could look at this movie as an allegory for war and how it, you know, destroys the family unit. That's one interpretation of the film. Honestly, it's a quite valid one. It's not really my interpretation, but I've heard, you know, a couple of reviews kind of say things like that. But um, so like I said, we've got this family. They're living in the plains. And one day um, when they're near the river, uh, they, they have a little creek or river that runs uh, through their property. They notice a boat um, with no one like sitting in the boat. It just it, it, what appears to be an empty boat kind of drifting towards their house. Suddenly, as the boat approaches, they realize that there is a person in the boat, a man who has been injured. It looks like his throat has been slit. It looks like he's got other bodily injuries as well. Um, It appears that he may have committed suicide, but it's not obvious at first. I mean, we do see the knife in his hand. The bloody knife is still in his hand. And we see the the slit uh, wound on his throat. Like I said, can't really tell right away if it's self-inflicted, but that's kind of where the movie's uh, kind of steering us. Um, after after a few minutes, the dad decides to heal uh, this person's wounds, not to because ba- the mom basically just says, get rid of them. Just put them right back in the boat and send them right back down the river. You know, just we don't need this in our lives. And honestly, mom may have been correct because um, the very next day after this person arrives at their house, he does finally have the strength to get up. Um, Obviously, his arm is bandaged. His neck is bandaged. He has multiple bandages on him. Um, Dad is out doing farm work. So mom and son are home alone. Uh, The stranger wakes up. He notices the shotgun on the floor. He goes to pick it up, and then he slowly raises the shotgun, of course, making the audience think that he's about to attack um, Lucia and Diego. Instead, as Lucia covers up Diego to you know, protect her son, we hear the gunshot, and we don't see uh, Lucia or Diego hit. Uh, they turn around, and they realize that this man committed suicide. And just before he committed suicide, he points, he basically just pointed out the wind, out the door towards just the wasteland. Uh, Didn't say anything. Um, Obviously, he had his throat slit, so he probably wasn't in a very talky mood. But um, right before he picks up the shotgun and blows his own head off, he points out the uh, out the front door very menacingly. And then, like I said, takes his (laughs) takes his own head off in what's actually a pretty cool effect. I don't know how accurate the aftermath was but basically uh you know our our suicide victim basically now has a hole like literally like a baseball size hole through one of his eyes 
I, I always thought that a shotgun blast to the head, you know, would, would literally take off the top of your head, but literally... This yeah, it, it depends on what kind of... Uh... It depends on what kind of ammunition they're using, because back then I would imagine that they would have had ball bearings rather than um, pellets that are more commonly used in shotguns. Sure, sure. Or a slug. I could see a slug yeah. leaving that uh, that kind of wound, that kind of single hole through the eye type right, thing. So yeah. who knows? I, I'm not averse at 19th century uh, ar- yeah, armor. I, I <laughs> all I know is just Mythbuster stuff. So. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, as we said, um, our, our stranger, um, in the credits, he's actually just called the man in the boat, El Hombre de la, de la Barca. Um, so he never, you know, like I said, he never really has any lines. He, uh, he just kind of shows up, uh, gets healed, and then blows his own head off. Dad starts looking through the guy's possessions, because the guy had, like, a couple of satchels of just, like, random things with him, and he starts looking through the guy's stuff and realizes that the guy is the family. He's finding like pictures and, you know, photographs and things like that, that are kind of implying that this guy has a family. And despite this family living out in the wasteland, you know, uh, isolated from everyone, dad still makes the decision to uh, return this body. I, I don't know why dad makes this decision it doesn't make any sense to me this is this is probably my biggest issue with the movie is that it doesn't make sense in a world where dad believes in this thing that could be potentially marauding his family that he would then leave them alone to go return the dead body of a total stranger to his family yes it's admirable i'll give dad all the credit in the world but i'm also going to say that's a terrible move from a father to leave his family, you know, like that, especially after telling his son the story, which I, 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 this is where me and Don are digging the introduction of the beast and the fact that it's told to us as a fairy tale. It's told to us mm-hmm. as a story where dad is basically telling the story to Diego of his younger sister who, you know, was always mistreated by his parents, um, you know, and that, you know, she tried to run away multiple times, but they they kept bringing her back, blah, blah, blah. And that eventually um, she basically committed suicide. She jumps out a window and we learned this during a really cool flashback sequence where um, I'm not sure if they washed out the colors or if it was actually full on black and white or sepia tone, maybe. But you could see that the colors aren't really very bright in the flashback. I, I just kind of like that effect. It's very obvious that you're in a dream sequence of some kind. You know, there's no trickery or anything. So I, I do appreciate that. And like I said, um, dad, you know, before he leaves his property to return this guy's body, he tells his son the story of the beast and basically says that anyone who lays eyes on the beast is doomed. You know, the beast will eventually come for them. Um, So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the very brief legend that we get about this uh, creature. Obviously, at this point in the movie, we have no idea if anything is real, if dad's just crazy, if mom is crazy, whatever the case may be. Um, But like I said, at this point now, mom and Diego are alone in the house. And this basically starts just a series of events where, you know, mom basically starts going down a rabbit hole of just grief and potentially guilt. Because I did kind of see I kind of see I saw similarities to the Baba Duke in this movie in the sense that once dad leaves uh, and he never comes back that she starts to maybe have a little bit of a mental breakdown, much like the mom and the Baba Duke who was dealing with guilt, you know, the guilt of the death of her her husband and then having to deal with the pressure of raising this child by herself. A lot of similarities there. I also saw similarities, uh, believe it or not, to a very divisive horror film. Of course, it it comes at night. Um, which is at least in this movie, we actually see something which I know was one of the biggest complaints of people who hated it comes at night, even though I still feel like that movie handled its tension a little bit better than this one. I think most of the people that hated it comes at night would probably enjoy this one a little more only because you do get some kind of a payoff, you know, with an actual creature. So, you know, if you hate it, it comes at night. Maybe check this out. I don't know. But, um, yeah, like I said, we have various set pieces where mom thinks she hears things and then Diego starts to think that he's seeing things as well. Um, you could look at this as an unreliable narrator situation, um, because the way that I started to look at the film early on was I started to look at it as almost like mom and dad passing their psychosis onto their son. 
So basically all the things that the mom was quote unquote seeing throughout the middle of the film, suddenly Diego is starting to see in the third act. Um, and we never, you know, like I said, we do eventually get a confrontation at the end between Diego and the beast, but you can still make many arguments as to what the beast represents. You know, you could look at this movie as an allegory for war, as I mentioned earlier, where this family was trying to avoid war at all costs, but then this stranger in the boat shows up. He could be, he could be a representation of war in general, just finding this family, no matter how hard this family tried to avoid war, it will always find them and it will destroy your family. That's just one interpretation. You could look at this as, as I just mentioned, um, a, a crazy mom and dad passing on their psychosis to their son. And, you know, now their son is seeing and hearing all the things that mom was claiming to see and hear. Or you could just take the movie at face value and just take it as a family living alone in the wasteland, um, trying to protect themselves from an evil creature or an evil entity that is living in their part of the country. So, And, and I've heard even a couple of others that kind of slip my mind right now. Um, that's another great reason why I like movies like this, because they leave the interpretation up to the viewer. You can take it at face value if you want and just turn off your brain and enjoy the beautiful visuals, the great performances, the great writing. Or if you want to go a little bit deeper, you could look at it as an allegory for multiple different either mental health issues or, like I said, the traumas of war, things like that. So, um you know, like I said, it's up to the viewer. But basically, um, just to kind of cut this quote unquote walk through a little short, um, we do get that eventual um, uh, mom. Basically, what happens is the people that see the beast start to kind of deteriorate mentally and they end up trying to kill themselves. And we actually get a very abrupt scene in this movie where mom tries to hang herself out of nowhere like literally her and her son are just having a conversation and then boom, she jumps on a chair and tries and hangs herself from a rope on the ceiling. Fortunately, her son is able to come to her aid and get a stool under her and he's able to cut her down from the rope. But um, unfortunately, eventually mom does um, success successfully kill herself. Um, it's funny too, because you could tell that she was very rattled because the wound isn't right on her neck. It's almost lower, almost near the heart where she cuts herself, but she does still eventually succumb to her injuries, unfortunately, um, leaving us with a very, very bleak ending. We basically have Diego, a boy of, I don't know, 10 to 12 years old, maybe, who's who throughout the film has been called a coward by both of his parents because he's unwilling to kill a rabbit. Um, uh, they live off rabbit meat, apparently on this, uh, little plantation that they have. Um, they grow their own vegetables too, things like that, which definitely adds to kind of the heartache and tension of the family because as the beast approaches, um, first all their crops die, like they're basically ripped out of the ground and they just disappear one morning. And then they're so concerned with, the, with their rabbits because they only have like maybe a half dozen rabbits left that. Diego does, you know, takes a major risk and goes and tries to save the rabbits and brings them back into the house, which fortunately he is able to do successfully. But, you know, mom is obviously very pissed off at him, very mad that he would risk his own life just to save these rabbits. Anyway, the whole point is, is that throughout this entire movie, mom and dad have been calling Diego a coward, um, you know, a, just a, a scared little boy, blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the film, he is now a lonely little boy living literally by himself. Um, the house is burned down uh, in in the final battle with the beast. The boy is able to he almost pulls like a Freddy Krueger because once he shows that he's not scared of the beast, we actually see the beast start to back off, you know, very Pennywise or Freddy Krueger. Um, if the victim isn't scared, they don't have the same power over that victim as usual. So um, what ends up happening is he shoots the beast once with his final shotgun shell. Which, by the way, was anybody else getting mad at mom wasting ammo throughout the majority of this movie? I, I understand that she thinks she's seeing things that may be there, but the fact that she's firing a 12-gauge yeah. just out <laughs> into the wasteland, it's like, what do you think you're going to hit? It just doesn't make sense to me. On top of the fact that, considering it is 19th century Spain, and this is a poor family, how much ammo could you possibly have? Exactly. As it turns out, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's really frustrating. It's like... 
<laughs> get a clear line of shot at something. At least wait until you know you're going to hit him. I mean, even yeah, if you have to wait until he's a few feet too. away. It's not even like a hunting rifle where exactly. you can shoot from far away. Like a shotgun, unless you're, you know, somewhat close. Yeah. Even if you ha- even if your aim is true, it's like from that far away, a yeah. shotgun bullets aren't going to have that effect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we could take mom's mental state into a into a you know account. Obviously, she thinks she sees something. She thinks that it's closer than maybe it actually is. Like I said, we don't see anything as the viewer. We don't see anything until Diego sees something. So there's like a whole couple of scenes in this film where mom is like, did you see him? Did you see him? He's right there behind the tree or behind the scarecrow. And the camera is looking out there. And as the viewer, we're like, what the hell is she looking at? There's nothing there. And then, like I said, as the movie goes along, suddenly Diego starts to see little things, shadows, noises. Um, and then and then finally, when his mom just starts uh, when her mental breakdown starts becoming really, really serious, Diego is outside of the house. And that's when he finally sees the beast like in its full form, kind of looks like a tall, skinny Cenobite, um, I guess is kind of one way to put it now. About the design of the creature, um, the reason that I like the design of the creature is that it looks a lot like the figurines that the mom and dad have been carving in the house. Maybe not the dad, but the mom definitely. Uh, you know, in, in her weakened mental state, she's been carving these little wood figurines, basically. Uh, she, she like, carves up a little baby and puts it in, like, a, a little... Um, you know, like a little bassinet type thing. Um, and and she she rocks the bassinet during certain scenes. Like they're almost like there actually is a baby in there. Um, but then at one point in the film, they actually show one of the um, one of the carved figures and it looks exactly like the beast. And that's why I really like the design of the beast, because like I said, if you take this movie as a, you know, commentary on mental health, the fact that the beast looks exactly like the figure that mom carved makes perfect sense. Um, I mean, obviously if this is a real beast that mom has seen in the past, which she claims she didn't, she, um, she, she wasn't like, it wasn't like dad, dad claimed to have seen the beast when he was young. And he always had that fear in the back of his head of, you know, it's eventually going to catch up to us, which is why I kind of look at it in some ways as an allegory for war, because like I said, nobody wants to go to war. I should say very few people actually want to go to war. And especially if you already have a family, um, who the hell wants to leave their wife and child, uh, you know, to go fight a war that they don't give a rat's ass about anyway. So um, this is why, you know, you've got support here that it could be an allegory for war. Um, I I think the mental health issue is probably the strongest, um, way to look at this film um just because like i said it it almost seems like once dad is gone like i i feel like the stranger in the boat is a representation of war and that he he finally gets to their house and that dad is forced to leave almost like he was drafted into the army uh and then once he leaves and mom makes the realization that he's never coming back that's when her mental health starts to slip and, you know, she starts to more and more think that she sees the beast. And uh, this is a story that she didn't believe early on. Like she didn't even want her husband to tell uh, uh, Diego the story at first, but eventually Diego did kind of corner his dad when his mom wasn't there and asked dad to finish the story and basically said, so what happened to your sister? That's when he finishes the story and lets us know that, yeah, the sister must have seen the beast and then eventually killed herself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, the interpretation of this film is up to the viewer, and I absolutely love films like this. I mean, aside from the fact that it's so well-made, so well-performed, you know, so well-put-together. Oh, and the score, man, none of us have even mentioned the score. This score is great. It is like a big budget, like a Jerry Goldsmith, big budget orchestral score. And I absolutely love that for like this little movie that maybe doesn't have a giant scope, but it still has this big sweeping score. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I mean, there's very little um, negative that I can say about this film. Uh, Obviously, I'm sitting here rambling about everything I love about this film. But yeah. This is this is a great one. Um like I said, my biggest issue is just I wish 
the the beast wasn't CG, though it does make sense that he's CG because, like I said, if you're if you're taking the mental health angle, Mom would probably see this creature as this very smooth moving you know, not very jerky or whatever creature, you know, especially if it's something that she's only seen for the first time recently. Um, Cause like I said, mom never claimed to have seen it in her youth. Only dad said that. So, so yeah, like I said, multiple ways to take this movie, but even if you take it at face value, I think there's a lot here to enjoy for certain horror fans. Like I said, if, if scream 2022 is your number one film of the year, uh, this is not the movie for you. Uh, just, I mean, you may like it. I'm not saying that you absolutely won't. I'm just saying it's not likely gonna, unless you're like Tara in Scream who likes elevated horror, then maybe, who knows, then this might be the movie for you. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And, um, I, I don't know that it's really going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year. There, there's, I'll, there's some extra stuff that I would have liked to have seen, uh, maybe a little bit more viscera, you know, things like that, that could have put it over the top. But for what it is, I, Really, really enjoyed this movie. Solid film, solid effort from a debut director. I like it. Yeah, I, uh, my interpretation was kind of like mental illness or just mental breakdown due to the situation sure. where, okay. you know, the dad basically plants a seed by telling the story. It seems like the wife is aware of the story, probably just because she's, yeah. you know, dated and then been married. And that's why she kind of didn't want the son to hear it necessarily. Um, and then, Ooh, you know, like once, yeah. once, once a situation where they're already kind of desolate, just living out there by themselves, but once the dad leaves and of course the situation gets even more worse and that's when the mom starts having a breakdown, eventually, you know, she goes to even commit suicide. Um, yeah. and the son, God, and, and man, talk about like, you know, getting the time you know, the era, I guess, uh, down. Cause like she basically tries to hang herself and he runs in there without even flinching or even being overly emotional about it. It's yeah, just like sure. getting her down and like, come on, mom, stop. It, it, it'd be like me or like my daughter saying, come on, dad, uh, stop recording now. It's, it's time to go play a video game with me all calm. And like, it's like, it's something normal that to yeah, just exactly. deal with in life. I was like, damn, <laughs> what else have they been through that we haven't seen? Cause he's seen pretty like calm about just saving his mom's life there (laughs) exactly Um, for a kid for a kid who didn't want to do anything too gross early on (laughs) who didn't want to shoot a rabbit didn't want to stab anybody it's definitely a major character arc uh for little diego and then like i said that ending that ending is almost heartbreaking just to think what is ahead for him you know his parents are dead his house is burned down he lives in the middle of nowhere by himself it's like holy shit I feel bad for Diego. And then, of course, they do kind of imply um, one of the final shots in the movie. I actually really, really like where um, after it's all said and done and Diego is basically carrying his mother's dead body in a wheelbarrow away from their property. um, At one point, he kind of looks and sees what looks like a tree to us as the audience. It looks like a tree. But then when the camera zooms in on Diego's eye, it's the beast. You could see the form of the beast in Diego's eyes. So Diego's looking at this tree and he sees the beast. So obviously the seed of mental illness has been planted in poor little Diego. And he is now by himself, which that that's just terrifying to me, you know? Yeah. And I and I guess you could kind of go, you could I, you could look at it if if you're going with the angle of like Mental illness, I guess you could see that you could either say it's full blown mental illness that's sort of like hereditary, um, not to necessarily reference the movie hereditary, <laughs> but you know, in either it's hereditary, the mental illness, or is it more of like a power of suggestion thing where, like, yeah. because the dad told the story so matter of factly, like, because the dad didn't say, like, oh, well, who knows if she actually saw a demon, right? He kind of told the story like in a very literal manner so it's like is it partially the power of suggestion like well this is one of my parents told me so it's almost like a legend or a folklore that's continuing through generations or is it actually mental illness like you could play around with that those scenarios there too but either way the movie ends with him kind of carrying on the idea that there's that beast out there whether you know whether it's purely mental illness manifest manifesting or just 
seed planted in his head from a story he was told by his dad. Like so, I, I like that aspect too. Yeah, the, yeah. Like I said, the open interpretations of this film. Like I, I look forward to seeing even more. Like I, I want to see what maybe like people kind of off the fringe thought, like what their interpretation of this movie is, and maybe hey, maybe even someone with an, a mental health issue could kind of chime in on what they kind of picture this movie actually representing. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, anybody who knows me knows I love movies like this. Movies that make me think, but without being insulting about it too. You know, it's like you can, yeah. you can yeah. so absolutely appreciate that. So yeah, I'm with Mike on this director. I am very much looking forward to see what David Casademon uh, does moving forward. And even these actors, like uh, in Macuesta as Lucia, an uh, amazing job. I mean, like I said, she's so sweet and likable at the beginning of the movie. And by the end of the movie, you're just screaming at Diego to just get away from her. Just leave her, dude. Just leave her. She's a lost cause. But um, another great character arc there, too. So, yeah, so many good things yeah, I about this movie to talk about. Yeah, another scene that was actually pretty tense for a few seconds were... Or was, uh, I can't remember what they were, they were out, like, I think they were either hanging up clothes on the clothesline or taking oh, yeah. it down, and I think Diego starts arguing with her, like, lightly about something, and she raises the shotgun, and for a second, you think she's, like, threatening him, like, stop yeah. arguing with me, like, <laughs> but then you realize, no, she's, you know, at least to her, she's seen the beast in the background, yeah. Uh, and and the, the tension between the or thinking that she's holding the shotgun on him, it doesn't last for super long. But just those few seconds were like, what the hell is going like you, you see like little cracks like that in her. I think, that, you know, they're getting across that she's starting to crack, trying to raise him alone out in the middle of nowhere with no help. And yeah. it's it's just little things like that that happen leading up to the third act when she just totally. Yeah, loco, you know, <laughs> I I really also like that scene uh, right before she completely goes over the edge. There's a scene in here where she she shows Diego the four places to stab a rabbit, you know, when you want to kill it, you know, one in the midsection, one near the heart. Uh, what was it? One in the rib cage and then slit the throat. He's, you know, she's she's basically trying to show her son um, you know, what it takes to kill an animal. I, and I thought that this was going to be called back in the movie, like during the final confrontation with the beast. I honestly thought he was going to grab a knife and stab it in the four places where mom showed him. Uh, but unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Or, well, maybe fortunately that doesn't happen because that could have come off as kind of derivative. But uh, that scene itself is very intense because you're not 100 percent sure if mom is going to stab the boy. Because she's got the knife right up on him saying, OK, you're going to stab here. You're going to stab here. You're going to stab here. And if it's still alive, you're going to slit its throat. And it's like and, and the look in her eye, that, that wide eyed, crazy look that she does so well. Um, yeah, that was another really intense scene. I thought yeah, you were going to go and right I think... for that scene uh, when you were talking about outside doing laundry. I thought you were going for the scene where uh, Diego gets covered by that one sheet. And he can't actually oh, yeah, see yeah. what's going on around him, but he can hear it. And he can he can see like a vague silhouette of something. Uh, even even as the viewer, we can't really tell what he's looking at. And it's it's early enough in the movie that it's an incredibly tense scene, even though we're not really seeing anything. We hear mom screaming. We hear her shooting at something. And then we hear something kind of start to approach Diego. But, you know, luckily nothing comes of that scene other than mom wasting more ammo. <laughs> yeah. She's a prime offender on ammo wasting. Yeah. Oh, my God. Every single time she shot that shotgun, I yelled. I'm like, what are you doing? You do not have unlimited ammo. This isn't a video game. Stop it. <laughs> Just waste, 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 waste. And I'm talking like she's shooting at something that she thinks she sees like a good 20, 30 yards away from their house, from inside the house. Like she's shooting out the front door. And like literally even someone with half a brain would know you're not going to hit shit that way. But, you know, maybe mom didn't yeah. have half a brain. Especially where they <laughs> yeah. live because it's not it's not like they're in like a forest, you know, they're no. like out just in the middle of like fields it's a plane. that it's goes the on forever. Yeah. It's the Spanish Serengeti, basically. Yeah, <laughs> just without the antelope and lions, but yeah, it just flat, flat, flat land. It was crazy. 
Woo, this was a good one. I'm happy. I'm going to watch this again. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's just right around 90 minutes, so it doesn't take too much of your day. Yeah, it's a quick watch. It gets right to the action. Well, action, quote-unquote action. Uh, basically, you know, from the guy in the boat arriving that happens pretty early in the movie. So it's not like you're, it's not like you're sitting around, you know, just doing character development for 25 minutes. Um, the character development kind of comes as the movie goes along. Cause ultimately there's only really, as I said, there's five total people in this movie and we spend the majority of the film with two of them. So it is definitely, as Mike said, it is mom and Diego's movie solidly. And I, I think they pull it off. This is, this is a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, all right. Cool. All right. Well, that uh, is going to do it for the Wasteland and this episode. Uh, let's see if we have anything new since our last recording. Venom, do you have anything for people? Yes. Actually, believe it or not, I do. Uh, Don and I both have something for you. We just recorded episode five of No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. We looked at 1966's Island of Terror, starring Peter Cushing. Um, a a first-time watch for me and a very surprising watch for me. You'll have to tune into the show to find out what I'm talking about. But yeah, a uh, really fun show and a quick one. Probably our quickest episode ever. So Yeah, we were... You know. we were- we are we, yeah um just to chime in we were on the call did pre banter reviewed the movie and bullshitted after and we still weren't on for an hour. Yep, <laughs> it's a quick one. You know, we just did a quick segment at the beginning of the movie calling or excuse me at the beginning of the episode uh, calling out some new creature feature releases coming in 2022. You know, we we probably talked about maybe a half dozen to a dozen you know new releases even though Don found a list of about 600. Uh, we just kind of addressed the ones that we were the most excited about. And then we just did our quick feature review of Island of Terror. So, yeah, quick and painless episode, fun. And, um, you know, like I said, a very surprising first watch for me, considering I had never even heard of this film. Um, this is, uh, what was it? It's a it's a non-Hammer Terrence Fisher movie, right? Yeah. yeah um, so so uh, real quickly on that, Terrence Fisher is the guy that did 90% of all Hammer films. Yeah, all the great ones. <laughs> yeah, um, any almost everything, um, all of the Cushing Lee films and all of the stuff like that. That's um, all uh, Terrence Fisher. So yep, and uh, Island of Terror, like we said, is a non horror, uh, non Hammer horror uh, Fisher movie. So it, definitely a rare one there. So check that out. Uh, I'm, it's going to be hard to find that. There is a Blu-ray release of that movie, but as far as streaming, good luck. I mean, you could probably rent it on Amazon. I didn't actually check, but. Um, if you can find it, it, it I, I do recommend the film. And then join us for episode five. It is not currently available. It should be out. I'd probably say I'll finish it up this weekend, so it'll be out early next week, before the end of the month. And honestly, that's it for me. Uh, we are uh, Rebecca and I are in the middle of planning our next episode of In the Mic of Madness. That's probably not going to happen until February or March sometime, obviously with her schedule and everything else. You know, if we can get five episodes a year out, we'll consider ourselves lucky. So fingers crossed that that happens sooner than later. And that's it for me, folks. All right, Don, how about you? All right. So um, as mentioned is uh, Creature Comforts number five. Uh, Looking forward to that one. Um, Also on Horror Countdown, we did a show that um, I think many of you were kind of surprised why it wasn't number one. Um, The first episode I did, it was Killer Sharks. (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah i'm kind of surprised that one uh, I, i'm kind of surprised that one wasn't number one but um that's the uh latest episode i was joined by uh my friend tim from the horror for dummies podcast and uh we had a really fun time uh i'm almost tempted to say um you guys should know what my number one is but i really don't because i don't know if you guys will think i'm serious or not and memeing what my actual number one choice is but Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a fun time. So, um, we'll definitely, uh, check that one out. It's, uh, available on most podcatchers. I haven't had anybody ask where they can, or, you know, like on what service, where it is. So I think it's available everywhere. So yeah, check that out. Uh, should have another one coming next week. Um, other than that, I have 
one potential guest spot um, coming up, but uh, I'm still working on the details for that, so um, maybe more next week. But and that that's uh, pretty much it. Just uh, fresh cuts, no more room in hell, and uh, horror countdown. Sweet. Uh, as far as I go, yeah, I have nothing to report on at this time. Uh, uh, the next episode of the main show should be recording this upcoming weekend, so um, we'll should be able to confirm that after our next episode of Fresh Cuts records. Um, I'm trying to think. Do I? I don't think I have much lined up. You know, I'm still kind of getting into the groove of the new year, so I haven't really reached out but uh there's a couple things i might be showing up on in the in the near future but i'll wait till those are more uh confirmed before saying anything um and as far as we go you know i think are we looking at like oh i'm trying to think what's that? i think it's vod until march right yeah because yeah, the only think, thing it was going to be was Black Phone, but that's pushed back. So Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. Is that uh, after Black Phone got moved, I think the next one is March, which is... Um, uh, what's that movie? Um, yeah, my brain's failing me. I don't, I, I don't remember. I, I could have sworn that there was one in March. but There probably is. Yeah, March or maybe even April, but... Yeah, I, I I think we're VOD for like the next month month and a half or something. It would be nice if that movie would be the sadness, but still no date. Not likely. One, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. I mean, I, I guess at least you know the VOD selections are starting to rack up now, where there's enough. Um. Now yeah. that doesn't I always guarantee that, what we watch is good, but yeah, I think they're, <laughs> we're starting to get to that point where there's like two or three releases every week. So. Oh, I think we don't, isn't the orphan sequel uh, next month. That may be the one I'm thinking of. Maybe that, maybe that's it. Cause I knew that there was something coming out. Maybe it's the orphan sequel. And then, uh, well, that's Netflix though, but we got the new Texas chainsaw in February. Okay. Netflix well, original. Well, I'm just saying I, I knew I don't wait. Is, is that in a Netflix original or did they yeah. get dumped to Netflix? No, it's Netflix oh. original. I thought it was an original, yeah. Uh, oh, because yeah, there's original. something, yeah, there was something that was going to be theatrical, and they decided to like not like not make it theatrical, but maybe it's something different. Maybe Evil Dead Rise, because that's HBO Max. I that's thought. HBO Max, but I thought that was always going to be HBO Max, but well, that'll be theater uh, too. I'll, I'll go see it in the theater. Oh, because HBO well, we, Max at least for you, live, yeah. theater and home uh, simultaneous releases. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it might not, it may not be a big theatrical release. Like, it, it may not be playing in every single theater, but I know it'll play it in at least a few. Uh, yeah, I've got Orphan First Kill for January 28th. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that is this week, then. The 28th. Uh, that's what it's telling me here. Now, maybe it got pushed back. I'm looking at an article on Variety. So, you know, who knows how accurate they are. What is going on? It might be, yeah. Now that you mention it, I think I remember having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Someone said it was at the end of January. I just couldn't remember if it was theatrical or not. I I, I could have sworn I had that conversation regarding Black Phone, but I I, I thought that ever since it got moved, I I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I knew it got pushed back. I think it got pushed back to the summer, too, which kind of sucks. Well, if we do confirm Orphan is the 28th, which is this week, then that'll prob- I'm guessing that'll probably be our next episode. Uh, yeah, that, that's a uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, Chainsaw February 18th. Oh, here it is, Black Phone June 24th. Woo. Yeah, June. And then we got the new Jordan Peele the week after that. Uh, oh, and then nothing as far as theatrical. Nothing until Salem's Lot in September. The Salem's Lot remake. I I, th- I, I didn't know, know that was going to theaters. I thought that one was. Again, I'm in L.A., so everything plays in theaters here. So I mean, I can't I can't really speak if it's going to be a national theatrical release. It might not be, because mm. uh, even the movie that we watched, uh, the movie we just talked about, played out here for one week. I just didn't realize what it was when it played because it played last week, and mm. I'm like, 
Oh, it, plus, you know, I was with all the football last weekend that I, I likely wasn't going out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm too big a football fan. Um, but now the majority of the NFL playoffs are done at this point. So back to the theater I go. Yeah, because we only have the championships and the Super Bowl, so it won't take up like your entire day like the past exactly. two weeks. And there's nothing on Saturday this week, so I can actually go out and do something on Saturday. I think both games are on Sunday, right? I- uh, usually, yeah, they do that yeah. for the championship. And then there'll be the week off before the Super Bowl. Cool. All right, that's enough sports talk. <laughs> <laughs> We're boring people. Fresh sports. Fresh playoffs. Fresh sports. <laughs> fresh balls. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, yeah. You're probably going to get a different kind of audience if we name our Yeah, show. I think so. Don't don't Google Fresh Balls, people, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah well, we... I think this is a, a chat conversation, not a riffing up <laughs> of the show conversation. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are having a good time listening to our stupidity. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back in a week's time with another episode of Fresh Cuts. Until then, thank you for listening. Let's say bye to the listeners. Buenas noches. Mi amigos. Later. Peace.